friends, and welcome to Bold Mercies with Heather Johnson. I am so glad that you have decided to join us, to come and listen to some faith-building stories, to have our hearts stirred, stirred about God's awesome mercies that He shows us, and how we can live out those mercies and boldness in our journeys, which can sometimes be really exciting ways, and sometimes our journeys can be terrifying and can be dark and can be stormy and can be scary. But indeed, God's bold mercies in our lives help us live out our stories with boldness. All right, I just hit the record button. I know that face in the box was a little bit too much. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Plus, like, my eyebrows were, like, sweating. I was, like, <laughs> dripping sweat down my eyes. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't do it. It seems like too much. I'm actually sitting inside of a, <laughs> a Christmas tree box. <laughs> I wish you get a Do you have a closet? I think people sometimes go in the closet. I'm in a closet. Oh, you're already I'm in, in a closet in the Christmas tree box with foam. <laughs> oh my gracious. Oh, so good. Jackie, I'm so thankful that you agreed to be on the podcast. Um, it was really fun to have Abby on, and she she really bragged quite a bit about being number one in my life <laughs> because she was the first one on. So I just, don't, after you listen to that, I just don't want you to think that you're number no, two okay. in my life because you're the second one on. <laughs> we have you on here today to talk about peacemaking and how we can do that in our everyday life and our neighborhoods and our schools and our communities. And we don't have to even really look that far because there's a lot of diversity within our communities neighborhoods, even in the shopping aisles at Trader Joe's. So I'm really thankful to have you on here and talk about this. But we're going to start with something outside the peacemaking <laughs> realm. I I mean, maybe could, we could might be able to fit it within it the peacemaking realm. It totally realm. fits, yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay, good. So I love the story about how you and your amazing husband, Jay, met. I fell in love <laughs> and got married. So pass this story along because it's a really entertaining one for our okay. listeners. Jay and I met in high school, actually. And long story short, we went. We met our junior year of high school. We finished high school together. We went to college together. I went to a different school for two years, but then I transferred to the school that he was at. But we were best friends that whole entire time. I was in love with him. And there were moments in our friendship, I thought he was in love with me too, because for instance, this is the best part of the story. One year for my birthday, he threw me a surprise dinner party with all of my friends. Aww. That year for my birthday, he got me a, a Starbucks gift card, the book Celebration of Discipline. <laughs> and then he made me a CD of love songs. And my, I'm going to tell this because he's not here to defend himself, but I'm sure he said to me, don't listen to this until you get in the car because you're going to want to ask me questions. He says that he didn't say that, but I, <laughs> I promise But that's him, what you're remembering. Yes. So the CD <laughs> was all of these love songs. So I expected to call him the next day and have this DTR to find the relationship. And I called him and he said, oh, wasn't that hilarious? Wasn't that CD awesome? Girls love love songs. So I just assumed 
the best present I could give you was a CD full of love songs. And so he actually did not, he wasn't interested in me. We were for real best friends. We were sitting in the car in 2004, actually Christmas of 2004. And we were talking about who he should be with and who I should be with. And he said, you know, I kind of want a girl that's like my best friend that I love being with, that loves Jesus. I wonder who that girl could be. And he's like, actually, I kind of think I want to be with a girl like you. And then he said, no, I think I actually want to be with you. And it was <laughs> it was like slow it revelation. Was. It was like at that moment, he was like, oh, oh. We just celebrated 14 wow. years. We actually were looking at each other yesterday and we're like, how did we get so lucky and blessed that we get to be married to each other? It's it's just really fun. I love <laughs> that story. And you persevered through those hard so years, years of years, Seven years. So, <laughs> so many years. So then you guys stayed in the States a little while, and then you guys make made a big, big move to Morocco. Yeah. So tell us, why Morocco? Why did you guys go there? And a little bit about your life living sure. there. So we always knew, well, I knew getting married to Jay that it, we were probably going to move overseas. We both wanted to be a ministry and we we knew we wanted to live our lives kind of these, this like outward living overseas. We threw around a bunch of different places and different ideas and we ended up deciding that Morocco was going to be a good place because Jay wanted to start a business. We decided that Morocco was going to be the place because they have really good rock climbing there and there wasn't anyone in country actually doing rock climbing. We had also taken some trips around the world with some students from the university that we were working at or that Jay was working at and we took a trip to Tunisia. I I, in particular, just fell in love with Arab culture, the language, with with the people. I felt like my heart kind of exploded, and I just loved it so, so much. We moved to Morocco. Um, we moved there with a – Lydia was two and a half by the time we moved there, and Cole was 10 months old. We were really mm-hmm. stable at that point with two babies. Yeah. Super, Super move. <laughs> we didn't know the language, and we ended up moving to the city of Fez, which is an old walled city. We lived kind of in this like labyrinth of, of a maze of a city, and we're kind of plopped down there and we're like, all right, let's let's figure out life. There's really nothing I love more than being plopped down in a city. And it's like, learn how to love your neighbors and learn about them. That was kind of what my life looked like for, we lived there for five years. Every day for five years was pretty much packing my kids in a stroller and leaving my house. I tell people often, they say, what was the hardest thing about living there? And I say, a lot of times it was my own front door. That as long Mm. as I could have the courage and the boldness from the Lord to leave my door, to leave my own gate, Mm. He was going to do amazing things. And I got to see that. I got to spend five years living in a place where I was still every day learning new words, learning new culture, learning new customs. I never knew how beautiful that was going to be. Wow. I love what you say that your greatest enemy was your own front door. And it just really took 
opening that front door and allowing God to just do the rest as you had conversations and made new friends. And also, you know, having little children is extremely challenging (laughs) to move with, but they also create an amazing bridge. You just have these adorable small children toddling around with you. And then all of a sudden you just have this natural connection with other moms and aunts and grandmas that are in the community. Totally. Once you can get over the fact that people are going to kiss your kids, especially in in the Muslim world, they just, just loved our kids. We had automatic relationships with people. You go to a restaurant and your kids are fussing and all of a sudden they're in the kitchen. Someone has picked them up and taken them <laughs> in out the of kitchen your lap. with them. And you're like, well, this is great. Now we're basically having a date. Um, <laughs> it was way more of a blessing than it was a burden to bring my kids along with me in the work of building relationships with my neighbors and learning and growing. They got to experience that right along with me. I have a couple of moments of living there that were, I would say, are like the best days of my life. And one of them in particular Mm -hmm. was Jay had some clients in this gorge, rock climbing clients, uh, probably about eight hours from us. And so I didn't want to be left at home. And so I said, Hey, Jay, can the kids are on school break? Can we just come along with you and I'll live in the village and you can take the client. We are going to live like in a hotel in the village for a week. And he had clients for three days. And so I was like, you know, I'll just stay at the auberge at the hotel and you take your clients all day. And he's like, are you sure that means you're going to be in this village all day long? With three kids, I think at this point, we had like an 18-month-old, a three-year-old, and a four-year-old. He's like, you're going to be in this village all by yourself for days (laughs) on end. They're like, it'll be fine. It's going to be so great. And this was also a village uh, that we didn't speak the language because it was a different language than what we had learned because it was a different ethnic group. So (laughs) I would either spend the whole day, I would somehow like hitch a ride with someone either like a, I don't know, a donkey or something that was going up to one of the wives of the husbands that own the hotel. And I just sit all day in her house. We would cook together and we would take naps in the house. I don't know what the kids were doing, probably playing with the chickens. So I either did that all day long, or I just decided one day in particular, I said, you know what, let's just walk around. And so we would walk and we would meet people along the road and they would say, oh, you should come with me to my mom's house. She would love to meet you. And this is all kind of in like broken language. So maybe she wasn't saying yes, that. Yes, yes. <laughs> You're trying to show. Oh, yeah. Right. Maybe she maybe wasn't inviting you over. No, I know. So that- um, she said, oh, you should just put your kids on my donkey and I will, and I'll lead them and you can walk alongside. And so she put the kids on the donkey and we went and had tea and then we would meet another neighbor and she would say, you need to come to my house. And so I, I literally spent all day long just going from one house to another and the kids would nap kind of on the floor in between sips of tea and and a lot of it was spent in silence because I didn't speak a lot of language and so we're just smiling and kind of hugging each other and maybe watching some TV but those are the moments that you you almost can't quantify them they're so powerful yeah. they were so powerful in my life just entering into people's spaces and in and 
bringing my kids along to enter into those spaces. We we often talk about this idea of incarnational ministry and what does it mean to follow Jesus and in entering into people's lives. And a lot of times we think it has to be this grand strategy or grand plan, but most of the time, the most impactful times of following Jesus into people's lives just looks like monotony. Honestly, it looks like that day-to-day saying yes to invitations, going to the park and striping, striking up a conversation with the persons that is pushing their kids next to you um, on the swing, asking names and where do your kids go to school. And so that's, that's kind of what my life looked like for five years in Morocco was getting up and going to the market and seeing what the Lord was presenting me with that day. And I love what you said too about the silence. I mean, I can remember that too, visiting homes out in in a village where there is just sometimes a lot of silence and we think, oh, that would be so, you know, other people looking at me, that would be so awkward. And like, it is sometimes, but you just get over that awkwardness and then you receive such a good, you know, such a massive blessing. And you don't even realize, I think, how much people feel loved just by the willingness to sit in silence the willingness to sit in their living room and enter into their lives, even if we're just going to sit in silence. Mm-hmm. It's hard to even describe, I think, how meaningful that is. Yes, yes. And, you know, when you tote really little children <laughs> around with you, there's not long possible of silence. Oh, it's so true. I, um, I love, too, that you actually lived in the wall. Yeah, we did. Do you look back and think like, whoa, I lived in an old wall. I do. I I think about that often. It's hard to believe that was even my life for a year, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. The ability to just be with people. I guess if you don't like people, it's probably a hard place to be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think the insight into life, like there were people in this walled city that had never left the walled city, which is shocking Shocking. to me. And granted, we only left the city probably, we only left the walls probably two or three times a week because there was everything we needed was inside the walls of the city. Yeah. Right there. Um, Yes. But such a different life, right? I'm going to take my kids. It wasn't as easy as, oh, I'm just going to go to the grocery store. Getting groceries for the week meant I'm going to put my kids in the stroller and I'm going to walk and I'm going to pick out my chicken and then I'm going to go get my vegetables while the chicken's getting slaughtered. (laughs) And then I'm going to go back and pick the chicken up. And in between this, my kids are going to be fed like lots of candy and probably, probably a, a Coke. Coke. Someone's going to pinch her cheek. I think there was one. Oh, hey, Lydia's birthday party was really funny trying to prepare for a birthday party in the midst of a Medina because, you know, every shop sells their own thing. So it's not like you can go. Okay. So you just use an Arabic word. Oh, sorry. So Medina <laughs> means. The Medina city. is city. Because <laughs> I don't know if our listeners know, would be able to and that can either mean a big city when we say the medina the old city we would say 
like the Medina Kadima is like the old city. And right. so the old city of Fez. So in the walls, that would be the old city. And so one year I was having to plan Lydia's birthday party and I, I needed candles and decorations and I needed to make a cake. And so I needed sprinkles for the cake and I needed various birthday party balloons, all the things. But each of the little, we called them Hanuts, which is like a little shop. Each one sold something different. We often thought about our lives in the old city as like an amazing race episode. Like every, yes. every episode was like, <laughs> every you need to go find you. sprinkles. <laughs> and they're going to be in the depths because the old city of this was also built on in a vat, like on a mountain. And so if you were going down, it meant you were going in, into the depths of this labyrinth city. If you were going up, that meant you were going out of the city. To go into the depths was just like, all right, what am I doing? I'm going to go into the depths of the city. And so it was like an amazing race episode where I'm like, okay, I need to get sprinkles. Then I have to like figure out the word for sprinkles. <laughs> and then I have to ask. Which is, I'm sure, no. not an and easy then you have to figure word. out, And then you have to ask that guy, okay, now I need this. If only you if had only, a film crew with so, you. I, my life would have been so <laughs> it interesting. Been awesome. So between that, you know, there's such, there's also... In terms of peacemaking, like, I guess I never even thought about how all of these experiences and all of these doors would lead me to where I am now. It's funny you asked me to speak on this topic in particular, because I, I think oftentimes I don't think of myself in this way. And then I get either invitations or people will make comments. For instance, I helped put on a women's peacemaking conference this fall. And I don't think about it. The people will say, oh, that's so you. And it almost feels foreign to me, like a foreign label that's been put on me because I would never consider myself that. Like I would never put that label on myself right. because to me, it's Jesus has asked me to be obedient in certain ways. And so those are the ways mm. that he has asked me to be obedient in ways of loving my neighbor. And if that looks like peacemaking, great. I'll put that label. I'll put that hat on, hat on and I'll wear it all day long. But all of these have formed me in such a way. And I think formed my children in such a way that the way we go about our life is just building all of these bridges, right? Yes. One other story that came to mind is one time I took my kids to a public bath <laughs> because why? Of course you would, right? And in this public bath, I now I think, again, Heather, why do we do these things to ourselves? <laughs> but, um, I, I was seven months pregnant with Hannah and I take oh Lydia yeah. who had just turned four to a, no, she had just turned three to this public bath. And you're not actually, I didn't realize this until I was there, but you're not supposed to go to the public bath when you're pregnant because it's so hot in there. So I take Lydia She's like, this is going to be fun, mom. And she goes, and it's like a dark cave and it's full of women. She starts screaming and it's like echoing. And so I'm this weird foreign pregnant girl in this public bath. 
who's not <laughs> whose child is not cooperating and I'm like well we have to do this like someone is bringing us we have to do this so I just carry her I pick her up in one hand and like my bucket in another hand and I just take her in there and I introduce her to another little Moroccan girl and all of a sudden they're best friends like playing in these buckets and it's those those experiences for my kids that again as it as it has for me I think it has for them like built built this like peacemaking heart or this peacemaking resiliency I don't know exactly how to put it Mm. has crafted them in such a way has Mm. formed them in such a way that now we we go places and people are just best friends that they are meeting for the first time. It's like you threw the shutters like wide open yeah. for your kids in the ways that you shape them. And it's interesting to hear you say that peacemaking feels like a foreign label for you. But I think that the reason is, is because it's not a label, because it's just who you are. When you live it out, you're like, why are people giving me this label? But the reality is it just flows naturally from who you are, that you are eager and willing to be in people's lives and to invite them into your life, to open up your home and your heart to them as well. Perhaps there's a better term, but I think peacemaking, because so many Christian women are fearful of Mm. what is different, are fearful of things outside the box. And so for us, maybe we could call it bridge building or something different, but it's just what you live. And it's not like you are seeking it out. It just is flows from naturally who you are. I just remember an Instagram post that you had. I think it was a few, it must've been last year, maybe. And you had just met someone like at, I think it, I could totally be getting these details wrong, but for what I remember, it was like the parking lot of a supermarket. Like I said, the details could be fuzzy, but I just remember you in your home. Well, this is like really relatable. So I was walking around Trader Joe's and I saw this woman with her head covered and I just like smiled at her awkwardly, probably. I like stopped and smiled at her and her husband was there and I smiled (laughs) at him and then I just greeted them and then we just started talking and next thing I know, I'm like giving them a ride home. Then we're having tea and then the next week I I was going to the market and so I text the son and said, hey, I'm going to the market. Would your mom like to come with me? And so I think a lot of of the peacemaking happens in that that next step, smiling. Mm And then saying something and then going that next step of, oh, I, I thought about mm-hmm. you. Would you like to do this? Would you like to come to the market with me? Going that, that extra intentional step mm-hmm. starts to build that relationship, build that connection. My friends have given me this label. <laughs> I am socially promiscuous. <laughs> like end up in a stranger's yeah. house. Drinking tea after um, you just smiled at we, them like 30 my, minutes before. My friend, hey, let's take all the kids on this fun adventure together. And so we ended up going on this fun adventure, like kind of off-roading. And we ended up at this lake. There was a couple fishing. 
And so I was like, oh, maybe she could show our kids how she's fishing because she was using one of those cool nets where you like throw the net in and then you pull it in. So mm-hmm. she was so, she was fishing and I was like, well, you show the kids how you fish. And so she was showing them and then the husband wanted to show us all the fish that they had just caught. And then they were grilling up the fish that they had just caught on the side of this lake. And they were like, do you want to stay and have some food with us? My friend, the uh, my friend that was with me, he was like, this is so awkward. We can't eat their food. And I'm like, no, they're inviting us to eat their food. Let's sit around this fire and eat their food with them. And to me, that's just what life looks like is let's meet, we're going to meet people in this random wilderness lake and we're going to end up eating with them. And in my mind, I think this is what Jesus did. Like I, this is how I want to follow Jesus because this is what he did. He asked people, Mm -hmm. Hey, how are you fishing? And then he sat down and had a meal with them. And it was such a beautiful time of fellowship. In my mind, I think this is where Jesus shows up. This is where we get to enter into people's lives. And our kids were all there and they thought it was kind of weird, but everyone joined in and (laughs) they're probably like, that's the the reputation I've gotten is like, just know if you go somewhere with Jackie, you go out with Jackie somewhere, you might be eating fish. You're going to end up eating in a random person's house. That's just, that might happen. (laughs) I love it. I just love to your charge to other women that peacemaking, bridge building, it can mean smiling at someone in Trader Joe's, but it actually also should include the next step. Like you said, you actually opened your mouth and said something. Just being willing to follow that leading and being willing to build friendships with something that might feel a little bit foreign to them. That is a really powerful, a really powerful call. So when you think about America, do you feel like you have any dreams when it comes to peacemaking? I know that you're a real visionary, but do you have any real dreams when it comes to peacemaking? Oh, I have so many dreams. I think they're mostly directed at my kids. My kids go to a Spanish immersion school on purpose. So they do half day English, half day Spanish. And that was a really intentional decision on our part for them to experience the world in a different way. We wanted them to go to school with people that were different from them, learning a language that was foreign to them. With kids in public school, learning about living in America where you can easily go to school with people that look all the same as you, that think the same way as you, I'm more burdened than ever that we have to create a different type of peace, a different type of world for our kids. And we have to do that through peacemaking. We have to do that bringing people around the table, opening our kids' eyes to people and places that are different from them. And I think as much as I would love to be able to get on an airplane with my kids every year, twice a year, and go to a different part of the world. Of course, that would be ideal. (laughs) That would be my dream. We are not millionaires. We can't do that. But there are so many opportunities to do that with your family. I think anywhere you live, we we live in Phoenix. So we have the opportunity. It's really, really easy to engage with people that are different, people that think differently, that speak differently, that have a different belief system, that look different than us. That is really easy for us because we live in Phoenix. But I don't think it's too hard for anyone to seek it out in their own communities. So 
in my dream for my kids of being peacemakers in their communities, I am actively trying to give them as many opportunities as possible and almost to like force them into it a little bit. So every little opportunity I can give my kids to experience the world in order that they will be peacemakers in their circles of friends, in their schools, since we can't get on an airplane and travel, but the world has come to us. Mm -hmm. And so we really have no excuses when it comes to developing a heart of peacemaking in our children. I will say though, some some kids, it's easier than others. I have one that is incredibly bold. I have one that's really quiet and one that's a little bit more hesitant. It takes a little yeah. bit more work. I have to ease him in a little bit more. He's the type that once you ease him in, he is fully there and fully on board. I think also just recognizing kind of where your kids are and being sensitive to that. Not all kids love being thrown into different situations. A very yeah, I'm sure you have that with some of your kids right. too. And it's always good for me yes. to remember also with adults. There are adults that are like that too, right? Like some, some adults don't for love sure. being thrown into unknown situations. And so what kind of yeah incremental steps can we all be doing to cultivate peacemaking in our own lives and our own hearts and in our own families? All right. So like, do you have these incremental <laughs> steps already like laid out in your mind? You know, maybe that's a good project for me. Bam, I know. I, I that's, so. that's good. I'm going to write that down to do an incremental peacemaking project. And yeah. then we're going to have I'll, you back on. That's great. I, I love that. Yes. And we'll do a how, we'll have a how okay. to peacemaking session. Wow. I have absolutely loved listening to all of this. And I'm going to end our episode with the two questions that I will end every episode episode with. So if someone else is in your shoes, what is a piece of advice you would give them? I would say be prepared for the Lord to do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, <laughs> be open be to it. Open, I think right? we can we can buy into this. It's not a lie and I don't think it's a terrible thing to have plans, but I think sometimes we can get really burdened by the idea that we need to have like a 5-year plan and a 10-year plan and if we don't have those things that we're somehow failing in some sort of way. I've found a lot of freedom in remembering that my story and my journey has looked vastly different than what I thought it was going to look like. A lot of times the Lord just asks us to walk one step or walk through one door that he's opened, that we can trust him to open doors as we continue to walk forward following him. Don't get discouraged or sh or feel any kind of shame around not knowing what the next step is going to look like or not knowing what your five-year plan is going to look like and really just being obedient. Kind of that what I said about like just stepping out, having that courage to take that one step forward, trusting that the Lord is going to continue to open doors in front of you. Wow. I love that. And Jackie, right now, what is making you happy? What is making you happy in your life right now? We are getting, I'm re we're recording this very close to Christmas. So it might be Christmas related, but you it might what? not be. I love having a Christmas tree in my house. It just makes everything feel so cozy. What's making me really happy is having coffee, turning on the Christmas tree and just sitting and reading in the morning. 
Well, Jackie, thanks so much for being on this today, for chatting with us. And we are recording this with a 10-hour time difference. But I'm amazed. Here we are, like technology is working, and we are like 10 hours apart from each other in this world, so in this great big world. So Jackie, thanks so much for coming on and being on. Thanks, Heather.